Hey, shorties. Hey, shorties. What's happening? It's your man, Russell, here. And your other man, Brian. It's your man. It's your man. <laughs> this is a podcast called Some Story, yep. where Brian and I read short stories, and then we talk about them. Yeah. Yeah, no, we, uh, yeah, exactly. We have a conversations about short stories, a form that we both love. Yeah. And, and today uh, we're talking about yeah. a story called Ponies from tor.com by an author named kid is it kidge i should have looked this up kidge 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 k-i-j kidge johnson um and in 2010 it was a nebula award-winning story and a hugo nominated a story hugo nominated a story for uh short for the short story award so you know it's good yeah um that's right and i picked this story it was a russell's pick this is a Russell pick. Should we do a little more of a bio on Kiz Johnson? Ooh, yeah. I could just tell you a little bit. Like, she, she's from Iowa originally. Okay. She uh, got an MFA at uh, North Carolina State University in 2012, which is okay. after she wrote and published this story, which is mm-hmm. interesting, after it won uh, all, of this, all of these awards. So she actually won the Nebula Award two times in a row for a short Whoa. story. Um, this is the second win. Mm-hmm. And she was a finalist the year before that also. I'm sorry. Those are those were all finalists for Hugo Awards. She okay. won the Nebula Award twice in a row. Quite an accomplished, quite an accomplished writer. She's an accomplished writer. Yeah, she's 62 years old, and she teaches. Well, that's cool. So when this story came out, it would have been 50. She teaches at the University of Kansas. Yeah, so I, I suppose we could include her as one of the patron saints of late bloomers. Could we? Yeah. Not? Yeah. 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 Kitchen Dishafilia. Right. We, we got a couple of man. Patron I had saints. no idea. Yeah. Do you want to try a movie, the movie Logline? Oh, you know I haven't, I didn't, I didn't prepare a movie Logline. Let me, let me think for a second. Okay. When a young girl goes to a cool girl's house for a party, she hopes to fit in. What happens next will change her life forever. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> we should do a whole podcast about breaking down movie Loglines and what makes them effective. <laughs> Do you want to do, um, give us the the beat by beat uh, run through real quick? Yeah. So this is a story in which Barbara, mm-hmm. a little girl, gets invited to a party that's called a cutting out party. Right? Is that yeah, what it's called? That's right. Yeah. She gets invited to a cutting out party by the other girls who are like the popular kids at school. Uh, she and her living. My Little Pony is basically yeah, what we have. Basically, I, I actually, I read an interview with Keith Johnson, and she basically says, like, she, I th- if I think, if I remember correctly, I think she wanted to, may have actually written My Little Ponies, and then, like, deleted it because of copyright concerns. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, so this is a world where we have, like, full-size living My Little Ponies, mm-hmm. and all these little girls have them, so they get invited to a cutting-out ceremony. Like, every girl has a pony, is, like, born with a pony, basically, is what I... That's what it uh, seems yeah. like, like, yeah. every girl has yeah. one, yeah. You just, yeah, you come with a pony. Yeah. And, uh... So she gets invited to this party, and it's the invitation says, you and your pony, Sunny, are invited to a cutting-out party with the other girls. If we like you, and if your pony does okay, we'll let you hang out with us. So the stakes are established very quickly mm-hmm. at the top of the story. Um, Barbara and Sunny go to the party, and each pony has three things. They have a horn, they have wings, and they have a voice. And they have- Like human humanoid voice deal. Right. 
and they can choose uh, to get rid of two of those things and to keep one. And this is just the this is just what we do it's in the this rules, world. Man. There's there's been no like that. them's the breaks. It isn't really explained. And Sonny and Barbara sort of together choose. Well, Barbara asks Sonny, "What do you want to keep?" Sonny says, "I want to keep my voice," and which means that she'll have to sacrifice her wings and her horn. And it turns out that most all, all ponies choose to keep their voices. Like that's just. That's what ponies want to keep is their is their voices. So they get to the thing and Barbara cuts off Sonny's wings, which is difficult. Or not it's not very difficult to cut off the wings. She cuts off her horn, which is difficult. It's all and, emotionally difficult. So, yeah. For the reader also. <laughs> yeah. And then the top girl, who's the leader of the of the party, says, All right, now you have to get rid of the pony's voice. And Barbara says, That wasn't the deal. And Barbara says, Well, that's what you have to do. And Sonny the horse, or the, Sonny the pony, instead of sitting there and letting Barbara take out her voice, she runs away. The other ponies the, chase. Who have also had their voices taken out, it should be noted. They're all silent, beautiful yeah. ponies. Chase her down and basically stomp on her. They stomp until her down. She is yeah. a, she's a puddle it's of like nothing. It's a gang initiation, basically. Yeah. Yes, but she doesn't make yeah. it out alive. She's just a puddle and fading spark formerly sparkly hair mm-hmm. is left and then barbara goes back to the party with the other girls and asks what they're playing and the other girls say why are you here mm-hmm. you're not one of us you don't have a pony that's right and so that's barbara loses everything yeah the mean girls got her okay russell so that's what it's about it's about this girl who has her pony destroyed and then is not admitted to this club but what is it about about okay so i went through this is on tour.com and we'll post the the we'll share the story on our on yeah. our social media link in the description uh, yeah so i was looking through the the comments because they used to have those back in 2010 <laughs> yeah. and there are so many people who are like this is a story about like little kids can be so mean that's so true little kids can be awful they're uh, unrelenting and they're they're unjust and little kids are bad and i was sort of surprised by that on the nose reading of it i mean i don't think that that's untrue but that's just sort of the like the comment that i saw over and over and over yeah because i think that it's about a lot more than just little kids being mean Ooh, and having rules i mean i i, I think it's everybody has rules like no matter what sort social situation you're in mm-hmm. you have to uh it's something we talked about actually with uh with my first goose where you end up having to sacrifice some part of yourself in order to become part of this other group mm, yeah like if you're a if you're a goth kid but you want to go play basketball you can't wear your like wallet chain you, <laughs> you can't wear chain. your wallet chain and your <laughs> and your mascara because that's not what the that's not what the jocks wear. Uh, mm. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, to me, it's about this like sort of larger idea of sacrificing huh. a, a part of yourself for to become part of this other group. So, what is the? I guess the question that you're kind of left with is like, what are you giving up and what are you gaining? And that's something that that everybody in the world has to to yeah. grapple with. Hmm. That's what I think it's about is kind of the, the weight of those sacrifices. And then unfortunately, like what we see in this story is that it doesn't matter. Yeah. Your sacrifice doesn't matter. You should have just not come to the party. Yeah. 
what do you think it's about? I, okay, so my analysis is colored a little bit by some research I did into the story. Mm-hmm. But I think it's I think it's a little bit more cheater. But basically, like. I, I think it's a specifically about girls, preteen girls establishing social order. That's Keish Johnson's interpretation, also, and I think she, I think she basically nails it. And I also read it to Irene, my my wife. Mm-hmm. I was like, "What did you think of it?" And she's like, "That's exactly how girls are." <laughs> that was like what she said, you know. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't, I don't discredit that. I don't discount that. No, I'm I think not saying that that's. It, yeah, I, I think you can, you can extrapolate it like beyond that, which, which you've done. I'm not yeah. saying that you're wrong, but I, I'd like to think of it more as like more in the specific context, if that makes sense. Yeah, maybe I'm in, de- maybe I'm in denial, or I don't want to look right at it because I have a little, I have a little girl who's, who might be, you know, she might be top girl one day, man. She might be top girl. <laughs> <laughs> there's one of the one of the things i loved about the story is when she kind of does this george sanders like thing where she like has names for people that are like top girl that you know it's all one word like top girl smushed together and well i think that's part of the reason i wanted to read this was because it has such a a george saunders vibe to me yeah um i mean it had it it reads a lot like um the other girls are all uh, one word I, i don't know what you call it i don't know if there's a word for this style of yeah, I don't know either. Where it's like it—it it, it reminded me of um, of George Saunders' Pastoralia short story, yes. where yeah. the 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 two people like performers are are sort of trapped in this, yep, um, in this like caveman exhibit at like a weird mm-hmm. natural history you, you museum re- or something. Yes, yeah, it's like a living natural history museum, <laughs> yeah. and everybody's job is to like play the part of whatever yeah. every whatever area you're representing, and the two people we follow in that story are cave people. And they can't communicate. Whenever people are watching them, they have to like communicate with grunts and stuff. But everybody is living their role, right? Like mm. that's what is interest. That's what's similar to me. Yeah, you have your role. There, she's the top girl. They're the other girls. Barbara's Barbara, and you got to yeah. stick to that, or you get you get in trouble. Yeah, and she she describes this whole hierarchy using these like smushed together um, like proper names. Sort of. There's like one. There's top girl. And then there's second girl, and then there's suck up girl, and there's <laughs> yeah. everyone likes her girl, and uh-huh. the rest. <laughs> yeah, that, that was yeah, so good. Like yeah, so there's, it reminded me a lot of the the story, the Simplica Girl Diaries by George Saunders, which I think is in the 10th of December that collection. Um, it is, yeah. I've I have so not it's read it's it, pretty sure. long, but in in that story. Uh, it reminded me of a couple of stories, which if the shorties are interested in like this kind of social commentary kind of stuff that this story has going on, uh, I think these would be good. But so Simpli- Simplica Girl Diaries is a story about like this kind of lower middle class family and the dad is trying to kind of raise their profile as a, as a family in the neighborhood, like a keeping up with the Joneses kind of a thing. And the way to do that is to get a set of Simplica girls and the a Simplica girl is a, it's a girl usually from another poorer country who comes here and then this company sends money back to their families but they have this a Simplica line that they run through their brain that it, they're able to stay alive and stay nourished but then they are they hang them up in your front yard in like a pretty dress <laughs> And so that's what people have is the, oh these like God. decorations in their yards of Simplica girls. It is so, so bizarre. And that's what happens in that story is that, uh, well, I don't want to give it away. I don't guess, but it's, but it, yeah. no spoilers, man. Any spoilers. You can read it. You can actually read it for free online. <laughs> uh, 
So it reminded me of that. We'll link to that one too, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And it also reminded me of uh, The Ones Who Walk Away from Omelas by Ursula Le Guin, which is, have you ever read that? Hmm. I've only read Left okay. Hand in Darkness. By so this is a really short, short story, and you can probably find it online pretty easy too, but it's a really short, short story, and she kind of puts the narrative in your hands, the like you, the reader. And it's like, basically like imagine the, your, your own personal utopia. Like you've got a kingdom and like everybody's happy and there are like flags of all these different lands and the food is really good and everybody's having a festival and people are dancing. And like, maybe there's a couple of like beautiful young people over there making out in the grass and like, it can be whatever you want it to be. Like whatever the most perfect thing is, imagine that. Now come with me into the bowels of this building at the middle of the city We'll go down, 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 down. Here's a nasty, stinking broom closet. There's a kid inside that broom closet. He's covered in like ulcers and his skin is really ratty and his hair is falling out in chunks. You can either, you can't take this kid out. If you remove this kid from the situation, the whole utopia falls apart. So you only have two choices. One is to go back to living the life that's perfect with the knowledge that this kid is here or walk away, go out into the unknown land. You don't know what's outside the walls of the city. Can't you free the kid? You can't. That's not an option. You're stuck. Weird. Uh, That kid is stuck. So you can either participate in the, in the utopia knowing that this is the cause or you could not participate and still be the same. I would just participate. (laughs) I mean, if it's the, if there's no difference, like if the kid's being tortured either way, Wouldn't you just pick well, the I think the point is that, like, that's kind of what you're doing anyway, living in the world as a privileged person. <laughs> like, all your privilege comes at a great cost to people who aren't privileged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose. Anyway, it reminded me of that story. Now, now I feel like I'm a bad, morally corrupt person. <laughs> what was you do, Russell? You go live in the live in the in the field by yourself? I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm doing. Obviously, I'm choosing to stay. I'm choosing to stay. You know? Yeah. Yeah, Look at you man. Yeah, going to the pool. Going to the pool, piece of shit. <laughs> With the yeah. lifeguards. Um, but it. <laughs> you piece of shit. Yeah. Is that what you said? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So damn. Anyway, the, it, 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 isn't there like a what's that story about like the the lottery too? That's another. It's one. called the lottery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one too. It was Shirley Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. So it it has like a kind of a a ring to it. Like of, it's a, it's like a it's like a kind of close to on the nose social commentary. Right. Yeah. Is what it what it is. Yeah. One of the things that's interesting about this story is that it's very divisive. I when I was looking through reviews of it online, like there's some people who keep blogs, you know, like short story reviews, and a lot of them didn't like it. If you go to the Wikipedia page for the story and it didn't click on like the reception part of it, it's like just negative receptions. Huh. Um and one of the major criticisms well, I think it's very interesting to consider why the people are so critical of it. But one of the criticisms, the one that I think is most valid is, does it need to be a fantasy? Do you, can, could you make the same point or tell almost the exact same story without it being a fantasy story? Which I think is an interesting question. And some of the irony and I were discussing 
and and one one of the things that that a through line between all between this story another through line between this story and the three stories that you just described is that they're all like light fantasy basically mm. yeah or light science fiction in that in that you know they're not in like some deep fantasy world or like some far away galaxy yeah we're not shit, dealing with know? like a bunch of cool gadgets or anything yeah. like that yeah so what's the point like what is the what is the narrative purpose of or or how does how does it being in this kind of like light fantasy world why is that important or not to the story you know so do you think that she could have told this same story almost almost verbatim without the the ponies being you know my little ponies basically like could there have been some other way that she could have described you know teenage mean girl stuff without you know and and gotten the same emotional response without it being a fantasy story okay so a couple of things one we talked uh, when we talked about the literal zone a couple episodes mm-hmm. ago, there was, uh, we talked about the, um, the Scott McCloud, the comics thing where yeah. you, if you like, if you make something more cartoony, it's more, it's easier for other people to come in and sort of put themselves in that situation. Right. So if mm-hmm. you have a really realistic drawing of somebody, you just see whoever that person is. But if you just have a circle with two dots for eyes and a smiley face, it's easier for you to put yourself on that. So Mm -hmm. with this, I feel like there is in writing it in this way, making it cartoony and having a, a, a literal like cartoon, my little pony zipping around our main character's head. I think it opens it up to more to more people to come into the story. And, uh, because it's like not too on the nose basically. Yeah. Cause so so that's the f- the first part. To me, that's the reason that choice was made to like do mm-hmm. the this like silly sort of weird speculative fantastical thing. That's where I think that that choice came in. The other side of it, your question about like, could you use something more realistic? Mm-hmm. I was trying to think about like an analog in my in my life. So I was thinking like Ike has been playing soccer. We just had his first, we had his last game yesterday, and the like this being a soccer parent dynamic is. It's different. I've never been there before. This is my first time with a kid who plays soccer. You get, are you the kind of guy who gets all red faced and shouts at the ref and stuff? No, I'm not. And we have a team <laughs> no, of you're really. Not. I'm just we, my wife is that kind of guy. Uh, is she? Really? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. She no, not really. She she is very competitive. She she has said like whenever Ike's older. And if Frankie plays competitive sports, she's going to be absolutely kicked out of multiple games every season for like yelling at yelling at other kids or yelling at umpires she, or whatever. But I'm just going to be like, please stop yelling. <laughs> we had a team of really sensitive boys who are all very timid. And like by the end of the season, they all kind of had more of a, a competitive spirit than they did at the beginning, which is really cool to see that sort of transformation. But at the same time, it's like something was given up. Something was exchanged there Hmm. where we had these like quiet reserved dudes who just wanted to get out there and have fun. And Ike would literally like step back and like, here's the ball. Did you want to kick it into your goal and get a point? Go for it. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) Like he would really do that until we said, Hey, when the ball's on the ground, it's your ball. And he's like, Oh, okay. And then he started kicking. <laughs> but that's great. There is like I, I haven't really analyzed it, but it seems like putting him in this situation, like I'm I'm the Barbara, Ike is my my little pony, he's my Sonny, and I'm putting him in this pasture with all these other with all these other horses, and I'm he's trying to like mm. learn the ropes for himself and he's going to have to make decisions about like what he wants to hold on to and what he wants to let go of. I'm going to have to make decisions about like how I 
teach him to be competitive or not, or to be a good sportsman or to be like, uh, encouraging or passive or whatever. Like there are all these choices that I have to make, Mm -hmm. which also means that I'm going to have to, you can't be, it's hard to be passive and also competitive, you know, or it's hard to like express yourself, but also be stoic and stony. There are all these sort of, Mm -hmm. uh, dichotomous things that we have to negotiate anyway. So I I think about that in terms of this story and it's like, if I was going to, if I was trying to tell this or if kids Johnson was trying to tell the story in a more realistic way, I just don't know if it's going to be as effective or thrilling. I think the story is thrilling. I was thinking about that with, you mentioned the Benjamin Percy thrill me thing last time. I mean, Yeah. yeah. And and it happens in like the the second paragraph, like things mm-hmm. shift yeah. gears really it quickly, and we're yeah. we're really off to off to the races. Um, but I think a story like this is is harder to tell whenever you're yeah whenever you're being realistic. Yeah, I think it can be like too on the nose if you're going at it from like a real realistic sort of like place, you know. Where if it, if it's like a realistic story, in this case, it's like you know you're literally mm-hmm. telling a story of junior high girls like being mean and petty you know it's like somehow it's not as uh i don't know it's it's interesting it's it's somehow not as accessible maybe or it's like it's a little too yeah the the realist part of it maybe distracts from the message a little bit more so here it's like because it's a little bit removed from reality there's more i think a message is more of a it's like the message is is very important to the story does that make sense is that possible yeah, 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 and you kind of end up being not as maybe invested in the like the characters as you are in the the message, huh? Yeah, something we talked about in the last episode with the water liars was how Barry Hanna, toward the end, sort of it's almost like he uh, he almost breaks the fourth wall and he's like, "Hey, here's what the story's about." The stories about that guy saying yeah. the wrong thing at the wrong yeah. time and everybody else is uncomfortable about it. He broke the yeah. rules. And and then he also says, like, why the main character is troubled, like, exactly. Right. Like, yeah, there's nothing. He's there's not hiding no anything. Mystery. We're not having yeah. to read in between the lines or, like, guess what's going on. Yeah. And in that case, like, it doesn't feel ham-fisted. It doesn't feel on the nose. And with this one, yeah. too, it's like, yeah, we don't have – Kiz Johnson's not stepping out from behind the curtain and being like, hey – just want to let you know this is a story about how awful little girls can be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but or as you said, just like humans in general, like how we how we you know um, how we hierarchicalize ourselves. Is that a word? Man, right. there's a word. Hang on, let me write that down. Is that that's a, a word? Yeah, that's that a that's a point for you. Hang on. <laughs> Hierarchicalize. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Call up Miriam Webster. <laughs> um, Add it to the dictionary. Yeah. I got two things I wanted to talk about, about the writing that, yeah, are, yeah. that I really like. One, one is the thrilling beginning to the story. Can I just read the first mm. couple of paragraphs? I would love it if you did, Russell. <clears throat> Please. The invitation card has a Western theme. The ponies are no taller than the girls. Bright as butterflies, fat with short round tipped unicorn horns and small fluffy wings. At the bottom of the card, newly caught ponies mill about in a corral. The girls have lassoed a pink and white pony. Its eyes and mouth are surprised round O's. There is an exclamation mark over its head. That's the first paragraph. It is just like, 
I think the context of like where the story appears, Tor.com, like a science fiction publication, and then reading that opener <laughs> on a sci-fi mm-hmm. website is so incongruous that that's already sort <laughs> of like what's up <laughs> with this because it just doesn't make a lot of sense. But it's intriguing because if we're going this weird straight out of the it's gate. so vivid too. But, and so vivid, like we're, yeah. something cool is going on. The second paragraph, the little girls are cutting off its horn with curved knives. Its wings are already removed part of a pile beside the corral. So we've already started off with this this beautiful, sweet little scene, and we're, we go straight into dismemberment. Mm-hmm. So I'm thrilled. I'm there. I'm like, yeah. uh, we're not wasting any time. We're not we're not spending all this him and, time him and hauling trying to build up a world and explain why ponies are the thing and why they're, uh, why they're alive and why they can fly and why we have this ceremony that we're going to have to go to. Like, all that stuff is... Kids Johnson trusts us so much that mm-hmm. we're just thrown into the story, which I think is something that also you talked about the Pastoralia story. Yeah. If you read that, if I remember right, it starts off with something like the big a, a goat appeared in the big, the big one and the little one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like he throws you into this thing and you're kind of you you have the experience of wandering around in the story and experiencing things for the first time. And he's not holding your hand. You just kind of have to figure out the rules as it goes along, which is neat to me because a lot of these stories are putting people in situations where they're having to figure stuff out too. So it's kind of a art mimicking life, which Mm -hmm. I, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. Another part that got me writing wise was the actual dismemberment part. I'm going to read that really quick. Uh, it starts when um, Top Girl gives the blade to Barbara. And Barbara says, me? I thought somebody else did it, a grown-up. Top Girl says, everyone does it for their own pony. I did it for Star Blossom. In silence, Sunny, Sunny stretches out a wing. It's not the way it would be, cutting a real pony. The wings come off easily, smooth as plastic, and the blood smells like cotton candy at the fair. There's a shiny, trembling oval where the wing was, as if Barbara is cutting rose-flavored Turkish delight in half and sees the pink under the powdered sugar. She thinks, it's sort of pretty, and throws up. Sunny shivers, her eyes shut tight. Barbara cuts off the second wing and lays it beside the first. The horn is harder, like pairing a real pony's hooves. Barbara's hand slips as she cuts to Sunny, and there's more cotton candy blood, and then the horn lies in the grass beside the wings. Sunny drops to her knees. Barbara throws the knife down and falls beside her, sobbing and hiccuping. She scrubs her face with the back of her hand and looks up at the circle. Star Blossom touches the knife with her nose, pushes it towards Barbara with the one a lilac hoof. Top Girl says, now the voice. You have to take away her voice. But I already cut her wings and her horn. Barbara throws her arms around Sunny's neck, protecting it. Two of the three, you said. I think that it works really well. Yeah. Because it's like juxtaposes like yeah. the cuteness of the ponies and of young kids basically Mm -hmm. with the horrors of what humans are capable of maybe yeah yeah there's something about that scene that i mean even when i kind of put down the story for the first time and was like i don't know if i like this story i i kind of i checked myself right away because i was like but i feel something like really strongly right now and george saunders talk about like the afterglow of the story you know and it's like wow in the afterglow i'm feeling something like heavy duty so i kind of was like I was like, well, I need to re- interrogate this, you know, like a little bit more. And I think part of it is just that that scene in particular mm-hmm. where they're dismembering the ponies, like really heavy duty, but readable also. One of the reasons yeah. this this story works so well is Kids Johnson is using things that are 
really familiar and mm-hmm. then sort of letting that familiarity do a lot of work. Um, like we, we know as a culture, what a, what a, my little pony is. We as a culture mm-hmm. know what like cotton candy specifically at the fair, like represents and smells like and tastes like, you know, so we're, we're kind of like bringing our own, uh, associations to the story so she's not having to like explain everything to us it's like those these are all sort of cartridges that are plugged in and yeah that's true uh it's very efficient it is very efficient that's the word i was looking for thanks so you get a point on that one (laughs) (laughs) score hello points um yeah you're right yeah it's very efficient and it makes it super vivid you know like when we it's like every writing teacher is always talking about imagery should use all the senses you know if you want to really make like a vivid scene you don't just write about what everything looks like but you got to do this taste and the smells and the if you throw out tastes and the, and what they what sounds like and stuff yeah you know? there's something about the like how surgical and clean it it all feels that makes it mm-hmm. even more disturbing because it is as far as we know this is like this isn't a robot this is like this is yeah, a living this is a pony this is a living pony it's a magical yeah. creature it's not just yeah you know not, it's what's it's also w- weird like how willingly the pony submits to yeah the first part of the ritual yeah there's a lot of silence in this story there's a silence yeah. of sunny there's a lot of just like going along with it whenever the the ponies come back after stomping sunny to death they're all silent because they don't have voices yeah the girls don't really talk about it Mm-mm. it's a weird story man in in, a, in some ways, <laughs> in a lot of ways, it's like a very unsettling story. Yeah, but the but the but it feel I think it's it feels true though, right? Like yeah, if we yeah, did have does, if yeah. we did have these ponies in this world, like this is probably this this is a thing that I could see I could see happening. Yeah. Yeah. Oh oh, oh, oh the, okay. wait, wait sorry last thing okay, so Go the ahead. there's the, the we're using My Little Ponies and we're uh talking about the candy at the fair also her uh the top girl's parents are oh yeah so the party's at top girl's house and her her mom's a pediatrician and her dad's a cardiologist and that's another thing where it's like she's almost using these cliches to to kind of move the story forward we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about like the kind of person that top girl is or like what her house looks like or what neighborhood she lives in or like the way that she's treated kids in the past like her yeah. mom's a pe- her mom's a, a pediatrician her dad's a cardiologist that's all you need to know like yeah fill in the blanks <laughs> mm. yeah there's another there's another line that is similar to that um where they describe she's describing the other girls you know like this click that that barb was trying to get into and and she writes when not at a school and cello lessons and ballet class and soccer practice and play group and the orthodontist yeah. the other girls spend their days with their ponies yeah. <laughs> yeah i think it's so funny that like the ultimately the the ponies are like pretty far down the list of uh, yeah, that's priorities true. you know uh-huh. um, but it's also like just you know you, you it's a snapshot of like of like suburban like white girl basically right you know um like affluent mm-hmm. you know uh suburban white girl basically and so in some ways it is a cli- i mean it is a cliche basically like she's literally feeding us a cliche it's a but cliche it's an archetype it, it works it carries a lot of water here I think. I think it works because we because barbara has a name barbara is a named character and we are mm-hmm. we're putting ourselves in, in barbara's shoes as we're walking through this so we know 
that we're sort of in on the joke, right? Like Barbara's not, Barbara's mom is probably not a pediatrician. Barbara's Mm -hmm. mom probably is a teacher at the school and her dad, like, you know, works for, works an office job or something. Get a second mortgage to get the pony. Sure. Yeah. Even though all girls have ponies, so maybe not, but yeah, but it's that, it's that kind of like, uh, that thing where you, you can, you flatten your character enough so that your reader can bring themselves to it. Yeah. Mm. So that we can all be like, yeah, a cardiologist and a pediatrician. I don't know what that kid's like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The cliches can do some work, I suppose, in this case. Yeah. It's also a funny, a funny, uh, again, I think it's, I think that's a really funny line because it does just kind of like show the priorities of the other girls, you know, and these ponies, like, (laughs) like they're very precious about these ponies, but ultimately they're not, they're status symbols that are not really like, they're not really like playing. I don't know. Maybe they're not as emotionally invested in them as Barbara also. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it like that. God, what happens to the ponies whenever you get old? Like when you get a car or when you get married? I don't know. We'll have to to revisit this. Ask her to write a sequel 10 years later. (laughs) Ponies too. (laughs) Ponies too. Out to pasture. (laughs) <laughs> the glue factory. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Where do you think uh, cotton candy comes from? <laughs> yeah. I got news for you. <laughs> One of the things that that um, I read about when I was looking at um, no, when I was when I was doing a little research into Kiz Johnson and this story. Because I was intrigued by like how people, the reviews of it, like people seem to hate it, um, and some of these pr- more prominent reviewers, I suppose. And she she doesn't like address that straight out in this interview. I don't I don't think the interview has anything to do, if I remember correctly, with um, with uh, these these critiques. But she does say make a point about about pop culture and like young girls things and maybe that one of the reasons i think that that this story made people uncomfortable is that like people tend to dismiss like little girl toys as little girl things Mm -hmm. but when it comes to boy toys like transformers or gi joes or something like that like we as a culture make those into blockbuster movies because we assume that like everybody wants that you know whereas we don't do that with by a little pony or other things. And this was written in 2010. I think maybe you could make an argument that since then we've had a little bit of that happen. Like, yeah, there's been like a troll movie maybe. Mm-hmm. Although Irene insists that that has nothing to do with, it's not, that's it's not, not like a gender thing. A girl thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've had like frozen, I suppose is like a, mm-hmm. I, I haven't, I have no experience with frozen. So I, I don't know. But there've been strides. There've been, there's been, there's been some moves in that direction maybe, yeah. but I think the overall, the critique, but you know, Michael Bay's not making is, like my little pony. Yeah, the no. movie. He's making Ninja Turtles yeah. and GI Joe, right? right. And Transformers. Yeah. Like, yeah, they turned um, battleship, or, into you know, a uh, Marvel comic empire. Uh, movies, you know. So just think about that, people. Next time you go out to, uh, next time you go look, watch the Avengers. You're participating in the, you're you're funding the patriarchy. Is what yeah. I'm trying to say. That's trying to what I'm trying to do here is is bring this back to a critique of superheroes, mm. um, which, as you know, Man. All right. I'm not a huge Look. fan. Of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna make you read so. a comic book for the next episode. <laughs> A good one. Yeah, but I don't know. I thought I, thought, I, I 
regardless, I, like I want to be clear, I'm, I I don't have the interview in front of me. I don't think she was responding to the criticism in particular in this particular interview, but just it was just a, I think it was an interesting point about our culture uh, at large and and kind that of that it's hard it to take this story it. seriously because it's about yeah. I think price. maybe I'm, I think maybe this thing this story did did not land with everybody because they do automatically not take it seriously. Because Man, I think you're right. Yeah. It's like the, have you seen the, uh, turning red, the Disney movie about the, Mm-mm. the girl, do you know about it? Mm-mm. So it's, it's a Disney movie or maybe Pixar or whatever, but it's, uh, a girl, uh, gets, she gets her period and her, whenever she gets her period, she turns into a red Panda, like a giant red Panda, like big, like <laughs> big as a room, red Panda. And so she's like dealing with this. Wait, like, is it, is it like the species red panda? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or is it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so she's like trying to hide. It's embarrassing and it's weird. Yeah. And she's trying to hide it from, from everybody else. But then her like cool friends are trying to help her deal with this. And then it turns out mm. that all the women in her family have this same thing has happened to them uh, mm. throughout their lives. And they have figured out a way to to magically keep themselves from turning into red pandas. It's a really good movie, but it got a lot of, it got a lot of flack because it's like, Oh, nobody can relate to this. There are all these like dudes saying stuff like that, where it's like, Oh no, yeah. audiences aren't going to understand what's going on. How can we have a movie like this? It's just such a narrow way to look at things. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think, I think you're probably right. Like that is, that's just the knee jerk reaction against a mm. story like this would be like yeah this is girl yeah, stuff this right. is girl this is little girl stuff like it's not serious yeah. but it is by the time this comes out so you got a rejection i'm sorry but you should keep okay. going with it because yeah, did you get any feedback no but no. they took like a really long time to review it so I'd like to just assume that that's because it almost made the cut. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, I got a story accepted, and it was yeah. my, my first acceptance. Everybody, in, round of applause! Thank you, thank you, thank you. My first yeah, story, yeah. my first acceptance in like I think it was like seven years or something like that. Um, yeah, which I haven't not that's been awesome. sending stuff out. I've just been sending out like queries to like publishers and agents that to no avail for like all these different little, like here's a book of poetry that's strange. And here's this book of koans that you might like. And here's like, mm. uh, I had a, a book of like children's poetry called, uh, Poopsters, uh, what was it called? Anyway, there were a bunch of fart poems, um, <laughs> arranged as an abecedarium. It was very good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but nobody, nobody's bitten yet. But maybe one day somebody's going to jump on this. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was really it was really encouraging, and the the editor was easy to work with, and um, cool. yeah, it just feels really. Why don't good. you tell everybody where it's going to get published? Uh, so it's, and when? it's uh, Roy Fontenot. I don't know. It's French. It Ooh, stands. For, it, it means like it means. Yeah, it's really tough. Uh, but it means Lazy King um, in French. Uh, Roy Fontenot. Fontenot Press. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share it on all of our social media, but it's a, it's a magazine that's online and I have been reading it for a few months and have really, I like everything that I've read on their site. Nice. 
Well, are you working on anything? I'm still plugging along on my stuff, man. I've been working on this short story now forever. Plugging and I'm, like, along. making progress with it. Um, as I'm doing other things, you know, like, I have some... some um, I'm getting a little bit of freelance work right now that's taking up some time. But it's also good because cool. it's bringing me in some income. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for listening, shorties. If you want to uh, keep up with what we've got going on, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Some Story Show. Music for this episode is from Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you very much, Blue Dot Sessions. Uh, if if you like this show, then you should uh, you should force your friends and your family to listen to it. Yeah. Um, we would appreciate it because that's that's that seems to be how we're finding our audiences by word of mouth, and it's very powerful. One little note: I would say if there's somebody in your life who does not currently write, but you think that they would have good stories to tell, like they have a they have a creative mind, or they're just like a good like tell a story around the dinner table kind of person, then you should send one of these episodes to them and be like, "Hey, I want you to write." a short story for me. Here's something to kind of give you some encouragement. Um, because there are a lot of people in my life that I would like to write short stories or I would like to read something from their, their crazy brains. And, uh, yeah, I want to encourage people to do that. Normalize normal ass people writing stories. That's a great idea, Russell.